0: Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that this information discussed today is not intended to be or construed as investment advice. Please consult a professional advisor before putting a loony in any of these financial markets. The dirty secret is that no one's ever going
1: to get paid back or have the shortest memories when it comes to investment. We just got to get Keith into Bitcoin.
0: Hey, there's a bubble. Welcome back to Looney Hour, episode one hundred and five. As always, joined with the three amigos. You got Keith Dicker, Ice Cap, Asset Management, in his new Patagucci sweater, and uh, Rich Diaz, it's Tom Brady macro. <laughs> What's going on, Rich? Not much. I'm on some
2: brand. The I I was there. You beat me to it, you bastard. I was gonna. I was gonna.
1: Move over and hide the raisin bran and bananas. You gotta, you gotta. What's stay with the regular? bananas? Like, why do you? Have, for those who are not watching this, Rich has uh, three old, darkened bananas and no, I don't eat raisin don't like bran. It. You, talking, you toss familiar? those in the raisin bran. Yeah, he's very gross. regular these days, Steve. Remember <laughs> last week we had like all the poo conversation right, on the episode. Now Rich rotating, is here. We're rotating the camera over hey, from the raisin bran. Every day bread. is a
2: good day with two scoops of raisins. <laughs> That's right. We should get them to sponsor
1: us. Somebody um, hey, commented is... last week, Rich, that they say that you're like an onion. That like every week there's <laughs> another layer peeled off and it's like, wow, oh, he loves ants. He loves raisin bran and bananas. That's pretty Listen, awesome. You got to have a healthy cat. breakfast. It's a good way to start the day.
2: That's all That's all I got to say about that. How are you, Keith?
1: <laughs> Uh, hey, I just had some travel. So uh, I was just out on the, the West Coast. So a couple, uh, well, first of all, I want to say uh, the the real nice gentleman uh, said hello to me on the plane ride. His name is Drew. So Drew, thanks for saying hello and, and for following uh, the podcast. That's fun. But uh, so I went to, I was out there for some meetings and also went to the uh, the, the football games, the 49ers and Dallas Cowboys. And uh, the, the lady sitting in the row right beneath me like two seats over it was nancy and paul pelosi if you can believe that i don't believe that's that but <laughs> that's amazing i know it's true like we were high-fiving during the game and she was all decked out in 49ers earrings and, and stuff like that so did, um, did you
0: any uh stock picks from her
1: <laughs> yeah no I, I said hey do you have any uh cool stock picks and paul didn't like that of course but it was uh yeah you know it's actually real say that come on it was a real who they, they were there for about, a, about half. Like they left at halftime, I think. And uh, you couldn't see the secret service. That was, that was
2: my question. That was my next
1: question. I am, I imagine there were at least a dozen dudes yeah, around that place. You know, to see just see you waiting.
0: getting choked out choked <laughs> out with some guy yeah. but,
1: uh... waiting for some stupid like loony hour co-host guy to say something like smart. all
2: i wanted was some stock picks
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway that was my weekend uh hanging out with with nancy and drew yeah get it oh yeah i do
2: get it i, was, okay. <laughs> I did like those books <laughs> um did you did you have fun at the game though they won
1: yeah. 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 It was a, it was a great experience. If anyone has an opportunity to do that, it's, it's a lot of fun. So and, it's good. And and they Steve, destroyed the Cowboys. Side? What's hap- Yeah. My guys, we'll give another football pick at the end of the day. They might be better than our market picks. So hang <laughs> around for them if, if you want to go on, on that side of, of life. Steve, what's happening with your airplane these days? Oh
0: yeah. No, we're uh, just tra- traveling the world here in uh, Mallorca, Spain. Uh, I was texting you guys in the group chat. Man, I love I'm coming around. Rich, Europe, uh, Fantasyland's pretty nice over here. <laughs>
1: it's
0: we nice, a, isn't it? A good story, actually. I was driving up, so we rented we did a rental car, and like you know, they only have like standard manual transmissions over here for the most part. So and I haven't driven one of those in a really long time, and my wife wants to go to this like village town that's like way up this mountain and so like it's a course it's up this like super steep windy road and like the it the lanes aren't even wide enough for two cars to like pass and i'm like and i'm like i'm just like sweating and there's bikers going up these mountains like all these cyclists that are in the way and it's super annoying and you have to like wait cuz it's too narrow to pass so you're going super slow and i'm just hoping i'm like oh my god i'm gonna get stuck on this like hill and then i'm like gonna stall out and, uh, I'm like panicking and I go around, this like really tight corner. And of course there's this massive, like greyhound bus barreling at me. And I was like, there's no way the two of us are going to pass. So I'm like, what the hell do I do? And I'm going so slow and like, we're literally going to collide. And so I just like stop my car. I put it in like neutral. I just start rolling down the hill. <laughs> and so this bus can go around me and I'm like panicking, like su- swearing. And uh,
1: it's yeah, like a bank was, like, pan of Canada story. There's somewhere, right? you are gone neutral. You're rolling backwards. No, oh didn't... man.
0: And then I had to like get up. Yeah. And then I had to like put it back into gear and, and like hope I didn't, you know, I'm on a really steep hill. Right. So um, anyways, that's why my vacation, it hasn't been very, it's been very stressful so far. <laughs> but the wine's the cheap, least. right? Wine is, wine is pretty cheap good. <laughs> the wine is pretty cheap. But um, you know, let we'll get into the to the markets here. Um, you know, yeah, it's always a tough one to to kind of bounce around here, but we're obviously aware of what's going on in the Middle East and, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, all those impacted and uh, you know, we're going to try to keep this to the geopolitical side of things and the portfolio implications and, you know, we've had a lot of questions from our followers uh over the last several days basically just saying okay you know what what does this mean what does this mean for us so you know um just strictly from a financial perspective um and so keith i'm a little bit curious your opinion on it given this is your kind of bread and butter you know people are saying could this impact you know um oil markets and are are more countries going to get involved here um yeah i'm really curious your thoughts
1: yeah i mean so you know we we you know we the, the frequency of the conflicts over the middle east it it happens a lot more than anybody would want to see or or know about so it's always there and then as as it's happening the probability of it escalating further you know that's always discussed as well but it it does you know feel and seem like this time that that can absolutely happen and uh, so with markets right now, if you're looking at like the immediate market reactions, so if you go back to, you know, b- before the start of the few days back, um, you know, oil was starting to come off a little bit, equities were were getting a, a bit weak and, you know, same with the currency markets. And it seemed like we're going towards that normal cyclical downturn, you know, that, that we've been talking about. But since then, of course, you know, oil has has rebounded now. It's, it went up as far, I think we're at 95, weren't we, a few days ago, Rich? Yep. For, for yep, well, sure. yep, And yep. this morning, this is Thursday. I know last week we threw everyone with a loop with a Wednesday recording, right? Yep. Last week. So this week it is a Thursday. Uh but now we're back down to like 83, 84 right now. But uh if if this does escalate, you know, investors I think they should expect and they are expecting that the US dollar to Strengthen significantly, and and that's happening here this morning. But I think this morning that's for other reasons, which we'll go into with with Rich here in a few moments. But it, it's the probability, though, if it does escalate, you know, and other actors become involved, um, you know, you are going to see oil rally uh, dramatically. Equities will sell off. Uh, other commodity markets, you know, they should do okay, depending on w- which ones. But it would be clearly be one of these uh, risk off events. And then if you overlay on top of it, then you know, because you know, equity markets do well in the first half of the year, and people want to take some profits. And then we're starting to see losses come back in over the last, you know, the correction over the last few weeks. You, you could see that even snowball a, a bit more. So it, it's definitely a, a market right now that, um, you know, I know for us at, at IceCap, you know, we're, we're positioned. Um, it, you know, we, we wouldn't be that affected by these events because we're, we're we're positioned for it anyway but it it could be something that could accelerate and uh, track a lot of other managers and everyone is you know they're they're all worried about it. you know, that's for sure. what What are you saying, Rich, from uh, your desk?
2: I'm actually kind of surprised, um, how muted the reaction in the oil market has been. I think that would be the first takeaway. I mean, you know obviously on Friday, what we witnessed is not great. obviously, it was quite horrible. And then obviously the reaction that was inevitable, um, it, it was I'm actually quite surprised um that, given you know what we've seen over the last few days that the oil oil is basically back to where it was on Thursday. And so for me, that was, you know, like, obviously, it's the Middle East, but there are other geopolitical implications with respect to Iran and Saudi and, and on and on like the cascades, of course, but the point really is that there's so I mean, it's a tinderbox, it has been for a long time, but most most importantly, so much of the world's oil supply basically is within, you know, a 1000 or 2000 kilometers of that area. All the pipelines that go through Egypt and through, and then obviously then you you can throw in the Suez Canal in there, and you can I mean it just goes on and on, sort of the geopolitical and trade implications specifically. So I'm actually really quite surprised that at eighty four dollars a barrel in WTI, we're just it's basically just been a blip, which is kind of horrible to admit and say, but it is true. But the other thing that really struck me is that. You know, the US, um, this is not a political show, this is an economic show, but I think it's important to to sort of highlight this. The US is, you know, as usual, um, it's, you know, staunchly behind its allies, but now you've effectively sort of doubled the size of your theater. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because a very famous investor, uh, Paul, uh, John, uh, what did Paul... Tudor Jones. Tudor Jones, sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm screwing up his name, but he came out he and he. Be that famous, Rich, <laughs> if you can't that famous, Richard. But he, he came out and he highlighted the fact that you've got sort of one theater, which is the Russia-Ukraine. We understand where U.S. and many of the Western allies sit on that. You've got the Israel-Palestine um, thing, which is you know been going on for a long, long time, but you know is obviously quite an important flare-up now and then you've got sort of the panda in the room which is a taiwan china thing and then that's you know that's so now you've got three you've two for sure theaters and then one another another potential one at a time where the us is actually in a very very weak fiscal position and its relative leadership in the world is is changing and i it it makes for a very very difficult i think um investment sort of you know, use the word again, but situation and and I, like it, it just complicates things a lot. I think it also a lot of the things you talk about, Keith, where you're talking about like deglobalization. I think it sort of it might accelerate those kinds of subjects. Um, I also thought that, we, and then most most cynically, I'm actually really surprised that the defense company stocks basically didn't rally at all. So anyway, those are sort of my three takeaways. I know it's a little bit garbled, but it's a difficult com- subject, obviously, to touch on. And and um and we're still so early, really. We'll see what happens over. I think over the though next, it also
1: you know, it also demonstrates that with you know with, with your savings and investments, it, you always it's one thing to always talk about, you know, these fat tail events that may or may not occur. But as the probability of they of them occurring, they they do it does increase. You actually had to have positions in your portfolio that will help you out. Right. So, um, and that's the world that we're, you know, I I think, you know, those that know our ice cap view, you know, we believe that the, the financial world has, has shifted dramatically, albeit very slowly, but you know, it, it, it's now made that transition and you have to be prepared because, you know, when, when any country or region becomes, uh, destabilize financially it automatically spills into other other parts of our uh of the world as well what do you ha- what do you have there steve
0: well yeah just to, to rich's point i was actually did see that paul tudor jones interview um you know essentially that obviously the u.s has been kind of the um do i know call it what you want protector of, of of the world so to speak as the uh you know that's sort of the the, the pack they've enacted with their uh you know as the world's reserve currency but uh and now obviously with the bond market challenging them um right so for them to go out and fight all these wars uh or to be involved in in, the, in these wars um with the bond market obviously already putting pressure on them given the uh horrible debt situation um in the US on the, on the government side that uh it puts the US in a very precarious situation while while it's also trying to you know, tamp down inflation. And obviously, wars are inflationary. The so. other
2: thing I wanted to, the other thing I thought was interesting was that relates sort of to uh, Janet Yellen's comments. And I know we're jumping out around here again because you've got higher interest rates, you've got a situation where a lot of that debt needs to be rolled over. You've got the CPI print, which we're going to get to in a little while, and then you have Janet Yellen saying, "What, Steve? That that interest payments as a percent of GDP were we're we're going to be low, lower than they are now, which I think was very, very rich."
0: So Janet Yellen says uh, debt service costs will be one percent of GDP for the next decade.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was her comments. Do you have the exact what What are they? What are they they right now? Steve, I asked Nancy Pelosi about that, and she she wasn't aware of that statement that was coming up. So she couldn't have trade ahead of it at this point. <laughs> um
0: what do what are the outrights? <laughs> Which found road? that funny?
1: <laughs> uh it just it's for people who may
2: not know, like so Nancy Pelosi um is a senator, uh, or is that a congressman? I always screw that up. But anyway, so she has um basically an incredible track record trading US stocks. Um, and this great Twitter follow called Unusual Wales um, has basically been tracking her and every other congressman, so Senate and the House, um, or um, and what they've done, and the returns that these people have gotten over the years have been spectacular. And so effectively. What the unusual whales is alleging is that these congressmen and women are trading on insider information. I would never make such claim, right, Keith? We don't want to get
1: ourselves in trouble. But it's well, it's quite I don't suspicious. know if the law has passed, but they they are not exposed to insider. Yeah, they're trading, they're, the they're technically not breaking the law, which is of course ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, anyway, but let's go, go back to the Janet Yellen comment. Um, so she, you know, her comment was that I think over the next decade, I think it was. That the amount of uh, money that the U.S. government had to spend towards servicing their debt was going to average about one percent of GDP. I think that was the exact. Yeah. Phrase,
0: yeah. So basically, right? um, if we assume the average borrowing cost of four point seven five percent, which is, I believe, where it's at today, uh, or sorry, which is a little bit below current weighted fun- average funding cost, the government uh, under the realistic picture, the interest ex- ex- the interest expense would climb to five point six percent of GDP assuming 4.75%. Uh, um, so essentially what they're saying is the only logical variable in the equation that can make Janet Yellen's correct is the future interest rate. To arrive at Janet Yellen's 1% figure, assuming debt grows at the rate of GDP, interest rates must must be much lower. Uh, so they'd have to basically, in a time-weighted average, interest rates have to be about 0.85% uh, to get the nation's interest expense down to 1% of GDP. Yeah, it's bogus. It's never happening. So, so she's yeah. basically, ah, I ah, mean, essentially, ah. she's obviously trying to um, you know, assure investors or assure assure markets that uh they got everything under control and that we're basically going back to a zero interest rate policy.
1: Well, guys, but she's also like she is one of those swamp creatures that that we we <laughs> that you met here <laughs> and, and read about. So she is extremely political. She's not this you know, nice little old lady who sips tea and she's she thoughtful cute about though. the she's, world. She but very, she's,
2: sounds, she sounds she's, like Milhouse from The Simpsons. If you've never heard her speak, <laughs> Google Milhouse from The Simpsons, and then Google Janet Yellen. She sounds exactly like Millhouse. Anyway, sorry. The same
1: voice. But with but when I get with her, like you know, obviously she used to be, uh, you know, she was chair of the Federal Reserve, but now she's on the political side directly. She's she's the head of Treasury. So she's the Finman, Secretary Treasurer for the Americans. Uh, so that's a political appointment. She she's clearly leans left Democratic. And um, you know, there, there's not very many positive data points coming out of the US right now politically. So she has to come out and say things that may help uh because it may help the Democrats out coming up for the election in, in 24. So, you know, whether this can be achieved or not, it's irrelevant. You know, this every single, as you know, Canada is the best in the G7 at everything that it needs <laughs> to be the best at. We're uh, going to get to that. And yeah, we will, of course. But anyway, you know, I, I don't take the, those quotes very uh, seriously. But again, with, well, with though, it's a good point because when when you see data points come out in news headlines, you just can't take that face value. You have to say, okay, who said it? who's publishing it and then like, say okay, why are they saying this now today and if you piece all that together you know, life isn't bad you know you, you get a you know much clearer your vision of the world becomes easier to see but
2: the broader point that Tudor Jones was making I think was that we're in a we're getting into some uncharted waters like you know some I mean I've been reading articles about how you know the end of Pax Americana and we're now entering like a bipolar World, you know, you know, before you had two superpowers. After World War II, you know, you had, then you had one superpower, and now you're, you know, we're having two again. And the relative importance of America is coming down from a military perspective. We've talked about the reserve currency aspect; that's also part of this conversation on some level. Um, and his, you know, the idea that the U.S. is getting stretched thin. And does not have the help from a military standpoint or certainly an economic standpoint from the Europeans at all um, is 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 interesting. Like the center of gravity of the world from an economic standpoint and a military standpoint is shifting away from America, and that's going to have a lot of implications in capital markets for interest rates for inflation. Um, yeah, it's it's
1: a it's a fascinating if a little bit uncertain time, I'd say. So, the other well, interesting thing about Paul Tudor Jones is that he actually has four scoops today, Rich, not just two. <laughs> and that gives him the clarity to see that's these. That's a difference maker right there. It is. It's really helpful. Uh, that's
2: what I've been doing wrong. Okay. So, I also uh, eat apples. I, apples, I also eat regularly, if that's, you know, just in case well, you're wondering. Well, thanks for. <laughs> what do you do for sharing. lunch? Like,
1: do you go for, is it just like a, a like a low-carb kind of diet these days? No, or sushi. I like,
2: lo- love sushi. I'm the, it's, my, it's my guilty pleasure. Anyways, Steve, get us back sushi on the Sushi or, or rolls?
1: Do you, do you like uh, the rolls, specific? the seaweed rolled
2: things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Hey, let's, let's
1: get back to it. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, to Janet Yellen's point, which is, uh, you know, she wants, she, she thinks she's going to get rates back down to a more tolerable level. One way that she's going to need, to do that for the data to cooperate, obviously on the inflation side, and, um, and so we had the latest U.S. CPI print. Rich, you want to walk us through that?
2: Oh yeah, but you have to stall while I pull it up because I lost it on one of my screens here. Okay, here we go. Um, so what we talk about a lot of is expectations. Um, so today we got um, so the, so ex- so it was basically higher than expected. So the month-on-month number was zero point four. Um, core was as expected, zero point three. And so the year on year number, which is uh, so CPI index, but 12 month on 12 month or year on year is now 3.7 and core fell to 4.1%. So, of course, um, there's this great guy who we follow on Twitter who basically said, um, you know, it was a great it was basically a, a. the CPI was a good headline number. It EG was falling, except if you remove core. And then he went on to list like 30 of the items. So basically it's just what we've been talking about for a long time is that inflation basically is not going down. It is sticky. Um, and that the Fed is gonna have to remain hawkish. I don't know. That's my first uh, that's my first takeaway. Keith, did you want to just jump in there and add something while I look I
1: look up the data? <laughs> Nothing to add. You're you're right on. What else do you have there? Oh, well, um, I've got. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> oh no, but just Rich. I will add on to that. But which is correct? You know, it was the, the data suggests that uh, the Federal Reserve, you know, they may continue to hike, or you know, at its weakest thing, it it won't be cutting rates anytime soon. So that this was a very U.S. dollar positive move this morning, and the, the dollar is just uh, ripping higher here today. Everything is getting muttered versus the dollar.
0: I've got a few thoughts on that. Just uh, this is something because this is something that I've been kind of all over for a while. Um, obviously, coming from the housing side of things, um, we've talked about the, the differences between Canada and the US and the real estate side, particularly mm-hmm. where the rental market is going. So, if you look at uh, CPI and its, its recent uh, reports, so it says shelter, the shelter index increased 7.2% over the last year, accounting for over 70% of the total increase in all items, less food and energy. Um, but if you look at real-time rent indicators in the U.S. Um, from sites like Apartment List and Zillow and whatnot, uh, Apartment List uh, has September rents dropping the most on record, um, at least since basically the depths of of the pandemic. So, you know, again, it, at the end of the day, obviously we balance this out. You know, maybe shelter starts falling further in the months ahead. Maybe oil goes back up. It's obviously very, very hard. Um to to project where it's going to be, uh, but I think the reality is is sort of getting it back down from three and a half back down to that two level or three point six or three point seven whatever we want to call it is is going to be the real challenge. And then so I guess the ultimate takeaway here is that it, it's I I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong, but basically the market takeaway is there's not enough here for the Fed to to necessarily hike rates further, but there's also not enough here for the Fed to say, OK, we're in the clear when you start cutting rates. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. So I think it's important. So that shelter component is just that.
2: I mean, I'm quite proud to say that we were on this probably from the first episode <laughs> Um, of the Looney hour about that shelter component, like it or lump it. I know it's flawed. And you, Steve, you were always right to bug me about the rent component and how it's not fair. And I get it, but the fact that it's 0.6%, it's actually rising again, um, sort of corroborating the, the price action that you're seeing on the case Shiller price index for the 20 cities is starting to rise again. It's going to be really, really interesting that, that I think that's going to continue to prop up the number again, we understand the flaws in the CPI. The other thing that I wanted to, to point out, remember we used to talk a lot about used cars and trucks, which is something you also highlighted a lot. That was the other thing that fell, uh, fell into zero, uh, sorry, negative 2.5% on the on the month, which I thought was, um, which is actually a huge drop, right? So if you do that, 2.5 times 12, uh, <laughs> someone in the comments you can have help all us. These, all
0: these car companies that have been like, yeah. like you know, publicly slashing their price. I think Tesla's dropped their price like three times this year. Right.
2: The other thing across- is, remember a couple of, oh, sorry, I just want to say a couple of months ago, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the delinquency ratios, delinquency rates, excuse me, um, for the auto loans. Um, I, th- I read somewhere something like, you know, the average car price in America is like 700 or $800 a month, which is just crazy. And you're seeing delinquency rates rise for that. So it's interesting to see how there's still strength in the consumer sector from personal consumption, but the delinquency rates are rising everywhere. This is like all kinds of diff- sort of cross currents that are happening. And then, then the energy piece, Keith. I don't know if you want to to jump in there. And the energy piece? What do you what Well, do you just mean? like in general, I don't know. You sleeping right.
0: again?
1: <laughs> I'm just <laughs> trying to keep you on your toes, Keith. It's my nap time, guys. As you, you get older, you need a you need a nap. I, I mean, the, the final thing with me with with the inflation data. I mean, you know, most of it is as the, I think Steve you said it better today. Um, it it's it it's not bearish. Or it's not dovish at all. If anything, it gives the power to the Fed right. to not not do anything. Uh, but the one, if, if anyone's looking for a reason why they may cut rates, or may, maybe they've already peaked, is if you're looking at the real average weekly earnings. Uh, last month got downgraded a little bit, which means it was it slowed. And then this number was actually a little bit of a negative number as well. So I mean, markets right now equities are kind of flattish. You know, on on this, they're down from pre from the pre CPI level, but you know, equities are a bit flattish and, but the currencies are, are the one this morning, that, again, that are really telling us, Hey, the fed is still in, in the mode. What is it like
0: 13 straight weeks of, of dollar up us dollar up. It's a record, isn't it?
2: No, that wouldn't, wouldn't have been a record. I doubt that, but it's still very hot, strong. Is it really a yeah. record? I mean, we've had, we, we went all the way to one fifteen last year
1: or, yeah, no, I
0: think it was a record in terms of the consecutive number. Oh, okay, we, sorry.
1: Yeah, but, I don't track uh, it that way. Uh, it could be though. I mean, it's it, it probably a
0: stupid be... thing to keep track of, realistically. But, um, anyways, well, because, I think I mean, Rich, if, if Rich it was on loves Twitter, numbers. it must be true. Rich, yeah,
1: yeah and Rich loves numbers. So I'm sure he can tell you there might be other equally as stupid. Numbers. Hey, no, I
2: have loads of stupid comments. If you'd like me to throw in there, but before we jump into that, I think one thing that that kind of confu- that's interesting. But on the the labor market piece, so uh, Steve uh, Keith's right about the real wages. But on Friday, um, we normally record this on Thursday, and last Friday was the non-farm payrolls, and that absolutely smashed the expectations. The wrinkle there, though, is that a lot of it was uh, private. Sorry, a uh, part-time jobs, and that's the thing that sort of gets hidden in in these numbers. So you know, it's it's not all good. It's not. It's like it's a weird. It's a weird spot. Where I think, well, but
1: you know, hey, it's funny. we also missed the Canadian uh, random number oh, yeah. generator. Josh oh, I support. have
0: to eat another. Twinkie. Oh, it was a yeah, it was a big blowout. Yeah, <laughs> we did. We did miss that. Uh, thanks yeah. for reminding me. Who's up, the Twink? There, I'm. I, I think I was my...
2: off. I think Rich technically Rich won. No, I lost because it was like I said minus forty and it was like sixty-five or whatever. So I think I was I over there.
0: The random number generator. Yeah, I'm looking me. at it right
2: now. It was, was sixty three point eight and I guessed negative <laughs> forty.
0: So, I don't know. Something go. those just those numbers. I just I yeah, I don't know. I think See? whoever
1: eats the Twinkie is a winner in, in my book.
0: <laughs> yeah. So on that US inflation, I still I still really go back to I love this site, trueflation.com. dot um, So it's you know there's people that are all like tinfoil hat, don't trust the government numbers. Fair enough, um, but I go back to Trueflation, which is a private sector um, model that was created, uh, I believe, in 2020. And um, so they've really had like Trueflation has been hovering around the low twos, um, really since about the this summer. Um, so right now it's still at two point three seven. What is uh, pretty interesting though, right? Again, 2.37, not to say the damage hasn't been done. So they just just updated their models and they now have a US inflation rate aggregated. And so they said the average American purchasing power has been eroded by 20.4% since October 2020. So over the last three years, we've seen uh, cumulative inflation of 20%. Yeah. Which I think, like, I think all that passed, I think that all passed the smell test. I thought, I
2: thought, I'd say it'd be higher than that, even. I know, but so, the, and I wonder what maybe. I'm think just like the Canada. typical
0: thing, like your day-to-day life, like things are about twenty percent more expensive. You than think they were three years? Oh ago.
2: no, I, I'm, I'm sure. I'd love to hear what people have to say. You think say, it's actually. more than that? Yeah, Keith, I think what's it's your way more than that.
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot more than that. It's really more than twenty okay. percent. I mean, twenty percent over the that... last three years, right? So, I mean, yeah, but seven, I, mean, I know so things have, have. I bet seven percent growth. Beef has doubled in price.
2: Yeah, it has. Yeah, absolutely. The, the CRB indexes the for live steers has doubled in two
1: years. There's, I see lots of like household product things have, have doubled in price. And your Samsung TV is still getting cheaper. You eat they that. Do. The uh, but like another way to look at inflation, because you know we get sort of lulled asleep with the percentage change all the time. And now that let's just say it comes back down to two percent. There's going to be a, a lot of uh, you know victory laps being taken place by the Bank of Canada as and, well as uh, you know, everyone's favorite <laughs> G7 country you know that they're going to take a, a victory lap as well because they're saying oh now inflation is down to two percent but you know if you're good with numbers which you know most people weird. are again you can pull up here just the um, so it's down the U.S. So it's U.S. CPI, urban consumers, non-seasonally adjusted price basket. So it's not showing change. It's just the index itself. So it's like a stock market index for prices. And, and of course, it, it goes up over time. It, it has to. But the level that it's, in, that it's increased over the last three years, um, you know, it's only about a 25% increase. But nowhere is it going to be showing that it's declined. If anything, the growth might slow. And so this, you know, 25, 30% increase in prices over the last three years, which by the way, you know, I, I, I it, it is what it is and people, you can't say that anymore, but all the inflation we have today is completely due to the policy responses from the COVID pandemic, both the fiscal and monetary and political decisions. Those, Those are the decisions that have created so much suffering for our households today and it's inexcusable. But this is where I, I, we yeah. are. So if you well, think, think prices, you think the, you know, the the scope mouthwash is going to drop back down to three bucks again, forget about it. it. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Totally.
0: And I think that's, again, I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. And, and, and hopefully people don't misconstrue that. Um, that, again, just because we get headline inflation, again, back down to the goal target, maybe it's, Six months from now, maybe it's eighteen months from now, but when we eventually get back to two, uh, it's not to take away from the pain that's already
1: uh, happened. Of course, we've touched on that many, many times. But uh... so the correct thing, like to get things back to where we were, you know, be before the the COVID year. You know, we would I don't know the number, Rich, but it would we would need to see deflation of say five percent a year for the next three years. Yeah, or you'd have maybe to 10%. see ten percent,
2: or you'd have to see wages. Real wages, e, i.e., wages that account for inflation, be five percent a year. Where you that scope mouthwash might still be six dollars, but you're making so much more money that it feels like it's the same. You haven't lost in purchasing power, and I'm going to go out the limb and say that's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> um, it, it's impossible because if you're uh, if if any company now has to say raise their the compensation packages by five or or ten percent you automatically have to raise prices because if not your profit margins come down. Right. And, you know, despite what a lot of governments will tell you profit margins are, they tell you it's not important, you know, with, they they are incredibly important. And if, if you're not making enough money then to reinvest into uh, your business, you know, you end up going under at the end of the day. So I don't know, I, you know, we're never going to go back to those, you know, 2019 and earlier years with, with prices, Unless we get the mighty depression or recession coming up, the hard landing.
0: Creating visual content is an essential part of what I do, but the creative process hasn't always been easy. That is, until we discovered Canva. The Looney Hour uses Canva to create images for our podcast thumbnails, and signage for our live events. Designing custom artwork using Canva is so easy, even the boomer can do it. Canva for Teams is a design platform that makes it easy for anyone to create stunning content in any format, from social media posts to videos, presentations, and websites. Ever since I found Canva for Teams, it's been easy easy to collaborate and design with the team, which makes the whole process so much more creative and fun. We've also used Canva to collab with our marketing team around the world to design cover art for our podcast. It's super easy to drag and drop logos and create professional looking content using Canva for Teams. Design and collaborate with Canva for Teams. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you go to canva.me slash That's canva.me slash for a free 45-day extended trial. Canva.me Looney hour. Well, there's a lot of people cheering for uh, depression on Twitter. It's uh, it's a bit gloomy out there sometimes. Careful for, careful what you wish for is what I would say to those people. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, if you know, funny reports. Um, there was a report this week from the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, which is essentially the central banks of central banks.
2: No, that's the BIS.
0: What the hell is the IMF? then? it's not the same thing. I know about yeah, the BIS. So they're, they're, much,
2: they're related and they work together, and I'm sure they have the same political views. And they both they both wanted us to eat bugs and have central bank digital currencies. The central banks, the BIS is literally the Bank of International Settlements, and that's a central bank, central bank, and they more like a regulatory body, and they do a lot of. Cal- the IMF is a funding body, so they fund stuff outright. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. So when- sorry.
0: Yeah, when these countries are essentially in need of a bailout, the IMF right. effectively comes in. Um, with their so claws, the IMF... though. With their claws. Don't forget the claws. <laughs> we'll
1: well, people to... might know as well. So the, when, when after World War II, uh, they created the IMF and it was agreed that the Europeans would head that group but they also created the World Bank and that the Americans would always control that. So the World Bank was created. Basically, it was, a, it was an American uh, investment feeder fund you know, to rebuild Europe effectively. So then over the years, the leader of the IMF, I, I think it's always been a European. I don't yeah. think it's ever not been. And uh, the World Bank, it, it is controlled. The BIS, I know people say it's the central bank, central banks, it's really, they, just, they, they just calculate the data from The central banks, it's like, great. Not- data, IMF though. is a moron. <laughs> they're never the going to tell Bank of Canada what to do because that's what other people will, will do. <laughs> but keep going, Steve. Sorry, yes.
0: Yeah, so, well, the IMF, just you know, for those keeping score of uh, if you know the swamps are connected, um, Christine Lagarde, who's now head of the ECB, was previously the head of the IMF, so there is definitely a connection there. Um, so they put out you know a bunch of forecasts, and um, so they put out a forecast. For world economic outlook, um, for 2024, and they've said that Canada is slated to have the highest, uh, GDP growth in the G7. Um, so Canada over what have time a- frame? For for all of 2024. So the projection is for next year. Uh, Canada will have the largest growth rate at one point six percent. Yeah, one point six percent. Yeah, what's the lowest?
1: Who's, who's Japan? I guess is the lowest. Is it? Uh well, I can try to
0: pull it up for you here if I can. Or Italy.
1: Can.
0: It is. Well, the UK is not looking too good, Rich. Zero point six. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like what's, yeah. No, they got they got the. Uh, yeah, they got the UK zero point six. Uh,
2: What's absolutely hilarious about that 1.6 number is our population growth is really, really high. So what they're essentially saying is we're all going to get worse off. But that's not that was not What's the point, population Steve? growth
0: again. Would have grown at 2.7 last year.
2: No, no, no! It was three point one four, which is absolutely bananas. But then they revised it. So let's just say in the let's just say let's be generous. It was like two point nine or whatever
1: it is. It's So nuts. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, how good. many bananas do you have on your desk? Is it two <laughs> or <three>? seven?
0: <laughs> one so that's green? the uh, that's the projection from the IMF. Um,
1: which... it was funny. Like, I remember. I remember as a kid though. You know, we we had cartoons. That's what we watched all the time. And then you know Abbott and Costello. You don't remember those guys. But, uh, like, there's always somebody in these cars. Like, if you're someone's chasing you, like a bad dude, like on Scooby Doo or something, you take a banana peel and you throw it behind you, and they slip on it and and fall, right? So, uh, so that when we were kids, if you ever saw a banana peel around, you just run away because you knew that was was horrifying. So, I was out walking around with with Mrs. Ice Cap there a few nights ago. And you know what we saw on the sidewalk? A banana peel. So, we both of us quickly. (laughs) <laughs> that we turn around and you run away because at you know, our generation, you had to be terrified of banana peels. So, Rich, oh, man. don't throw those banana peels around. Are Elvis yes. and Costello the people who tamed the tigers?
2: Abbott and Costello? Yeah, they're the guys with the tigers, those big white tigers in like Las Vegas.
1: No, 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 no. These, <laughs> these guys did the black and white films uh, uh, okay. out of America. If they're, you they're guys were, funny.
0: Keith, if you were to uh, make some projections, who, in your opinion, this is the ice cap opinion. Strongest growth next year. In the G seven, yeah. IMF says it's Canada.
1: Yeah, I'll go with the USA. That's easy. USA. Who we go, you go last?
0: UK, Japan, Italy.
2: I'd say Germany <laughs> for me. I bet my bet. I think Germany's in, in really big trouble. Um, we don't talk about that enough, but their manufacturing industry isn't getting basically their ass handed to them by the Chinese on the auto front. The Chinese became the world's largest auto manufacturer. They're selling EVs a plenty. whether you like them or not is irrelevant. That's what they're doing. They're selling them all over the world and they've pivoted. The Germ- Germany's insisting on turning itself into a pretzel for cause of climate change and all kinds of crap, and so their energy costs are still really high. Although they have come down, they're restarting coal power plants. I mean, it's just they're, they're not they're they're. If you look at competition indices, so if you look at like productivity indices or the cost of unit labor cost numbers, the rest of Europe has caught up to them. So they're not they're not as productive. Um, they're not generating the amount uh they're not like they are just in trouble sort of like in different segments and for different reasons and it's not clear that they have the leadership sort of to you know to tell people hard truths about their energy policy um to the point so where if, i think i just yeah if, sorry, if they're but,
1: more exposed to you know global trade as right. opposed to domestic I, I think the americans have a stronger local economy regardless of where they're getting money to spend you know everyone is spending their Credit cards and stuff, but Rich's point is is fair with with the Germans. But at the end of the day, though, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you don't use an economic forecast to you know, to forecast the stock market, as an no. example. Yeah, you have to sort of see how everything is going to move and and shake out. But it, so even it if is, you know, go ahead.
0: Well, no, I mean, I find it just interesting, right? I mean, this is always the tough thing with like markets and economies, and like there, these aren't like these are very complex machines, which is like. You know, I I mean, I'm curious, like how much, how many PhD economists the IMF has on staff. And like, this is, this is the report they come up. And I sit here in Canada and go, really? Like Canada is the number one. I don't know if anyone's like watching the Canada in the G7 has the highest levels of household indebtedness in the G7. So, you know, they're most susceptible to obviously to, to interest rates, you know, going up and staying up. And so, you know, it's like, well, are they factoring that in? I mean, I'll take an interesting stat here for you. Just on, you know, we've talked about the mortgage renewal in Canada. Uh, So 2024 and 2025 are the largest uh, mortgage renewal years for this country. Uh, And so until August of 2024, uh, on average, each month, 1% of of all mortgages in Canada will be renewed. Uh, So there's 7 million, there's about 7 million mortgages in Canada. 1% of those per month will be renewed. So so there's about 70,000 mortgages per month that are going to get renewed. Uh, And again, if you took a mortgage out, you know, in 2019 and you're renewing in 2024, you're going to be seeing a minimum of a doubling of your mortgage rate, assuming rates stand. And then from August, 2024, to July of 2025, you're going to see about 105,000 mortgages a month getting renewed. So really kind of towards the end of 2024 and into 2025 is a huge amount of households that are going to be stuck with large payment increases.
1: I mean, the the (gasps) the challenge with all of these forecasts, whether it's the IMF or a Central Bank or even... You know wall street and in bay street they, they never ever forecast a fat tail event or a recession like for example the last four recessions in the u.s the consensus uh economic forecast has always been positive but they, they, they never expect these things to happen so if it is a normal economic cycle then you know maybe we hit these numbers and whatever but with, with the probability of, of the world experiencing, um, of not experiencing a, a regular cycle, you know, all these numbers, they won't mean anything. You fast forward one year. makes sense? Yeah? No? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. I think,
0: you know, people just say the constant rebuttal that I get is, is well, you know, okay, you bought in 2019 and you're renewing your mortgage. You got so much equity. Why don't you just, you know, why don't you just sell? Go sell. And and you know, take that equity and you don't have to worry about it. It's just like I just don't think like the vast, vast majority of Canadians don't function like that. Like they'll still cut everything else that they have to in order to continue to service the mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. So it's like and so again, 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 even if you were hypothetically just sell. I mean, I could tell I can tell you right now, like the housing market is not great. So if everybody just has the same mindset, oh, I'm just gonna sell. You know, you can imagine how much inventory would be coming to market. And uh, what would that do to pricing? So general, general, that's my thoughts on the IMF forecast.
2: I think yeah, just for just for people in my world, I think the IMF forecasts are basically bogus. Um, they do projections that are five years out, 10 years out. And I don't think, not. I've never really met anybody in my space that takes them seriously. What they are very, very good at is calculating sort of the boring stuff. Um, that's just less... I don't know, less contentious, and that takes sort of, I don't know, how do I say this, less less hope, you know, as Keyes always says a strategy. So things like current account balance, exports, trade, they do um, nominal effective exchange rates, so trade-weighted exchange rates, they do really good productivity calculations, they do, um, they do really great debt stuff. They, you know, they do budget balances, they do net primary net budget balances. So excluding interest payment, I mean, there's a litany of things that they're very, very good at, and that people in my world take very, very seriously, the forecasts are not one of them. I think it's important that we discuss it so that people understand. Um, And, you know, there are smart people, but what that's, I mean, that and that's what the BIS is so powerful for. So the BIS will do the similar things. They'll do cross. Um, currency and cross country claims so the BIS aggregates sort of let's say all the banks in Canada how much exposure they have to the US or how much exposure do they have to Europe or how much all the banks in Germany have exposure to you know uh, Portugal Italy Greece and uh, Spain or whatever you know they're it's really horrible they called the pigs so they used to call the pigs until everybody got too sensitive to make good acronyms but so those are the that's where these kind of organizations are really powerful and useful. World Bank data has great stuff on energy, on coal consumption, and how it's not going down, and those kinds of, So that. But as far as the forecasts and where they think, you know, like energy is going to go in five years, I mean, those largely are ignored by people in my
1: industry. Well, I think okay. So, what's our overall message here then? So, the i IMF well, I'll say, it's going to be awesome. We're just saying <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Right. No, I mean,
0: I think we bring up these reports just to kind of like, you know,
1: yeah, dissect them apart
0: a little bit, their forecasts, it's really just to kind of help people think for themselves. Right. Yeah, and I agree. Just, you know, we just to have a, um, you know, be, to be able to critique something that comes out if you're reading a news media headline to be able to, like, think about it and actually critique it and and figure out you know, what is true or what isn't, or, you know, sometimes it's not always black and white, but sometimes it's just the ability to sniff out BS. And um, I think, I think this is kind of one of those ideas. And again, it also, I think to me shows like the ability of people to forecast. I think so many people just put all of their faith in, you know, the institutions and the reality is, is, you know, the institutions are making guesses as, as much as we are on the show, right? We're trying to make educated guesses, Um, you know, right? Like the bank of Canada, we're going to hold rates at zero for a very, very long time. It was an educated guess at the time. And uh, you know, it's an educated guess now that they're going to keep rates for a very, very high for a long time and not cut anytime soon. You know, it's an educated guess until a fat tail event comes along. Like, like we've been talking about on the show where suddenly the course is, is has now changed and and your facts and your worldview should change with that
1: well i'll tell you one thing that isn't a guess and that is the uh the 49ers football scores they're they've been pretty uh accurate so far we'll we'll come back to that though in in a little bit
0: we'll come back to what you know one of the ones rich i keep um i keep we keep kind of kind of get into this because i want you to continue to, to hit it home obviously but You know, we talk about all these like forecasts and, and you know, people just reading, you know, a headline. I still think at the front and center here in Canada is really like this energy transition stuff.
2: Yeah, Um, it's not going to happen. (laughs) I mean, I I have this conversation with some of my best friends who, you know, have absolutely drank the Kool-Aid. And it's a real shame because they're very, very, very smart. And, you know, recently we made, we actually made, a, you know, we, we have this WhatsApp group and it's, you know, God help us if it ever becomes public because we're all going to be, uh, you know, strung up somewhere. But, you know, the, the issue is, I mean, they're absolutely convinced
1: Wait that we're second. just going to. But doesn't Facebook own WhatsApp? Yeah, but it's encrypted. I think. Gee, <laughs> I hope. <Bryce>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> nice knowing you, been, Rich. It's nice knowing everybody. Thank you for listening. But no, I mean, so the the conversations that we have are about the electricity, the transition, and and my very well meaning and very smart friends, you know, are basically convinced that we're just going to shift painlessly and quickly away from fossil fuels. And as someone who really does a lot of work on this stuff, I can just assure you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not happening. And the fun, the reason it's not happening is what I've said many times before, and I will say again, is that it doesn't matter what people in the West do. We are not where the center of population is growing. We are not the problem. I'm not saying that Asia is the problem. I think they should exploit fossil fuels to um, to, to basically improve their life a lot in uh, lot life. But it's just that is, fundamentally, that is where we need to f- uh, focus our energy and our efforts. And when you're looking at the data... That's what we should be looking at, what how China's consuming, et cetera,
1: et cetera. So that's that's just, um, sorry, Keith's been, he's cut my the, rant off, response? but there you go. The what's the response, response is- to that, though? Like when you share that, you know, and like, I say Canada's production of, of carbon emissions is one and a half percent of global. And it's a, I, if we cut ours in half over the next 10 years, total global, it's still it's still going to increase because what's coming out of China and India. In other words, it's irrelevant what we do in Canada, but yet we're paying maybe 10, 15, 20x more in carbon taxes than anyone else. So
2: Yeah, I think, I I mean, my views on nuclear power are very clear. My views on natural gas are very clear. I think what's the dangerous thing that we have is a situation where people, it's like, you know, it's, It's Turkey's voting for Christmas, right? You have a situation where you think you're doing a good thing, but really what you're doing is you're effectively hurting the working class people in this country. What we need to do is increase our productivity growth. That is the only way that and and separate our GDP from emissions, which, by the way, is already happening. It was happening before the carbon tax was implemented. Uh, And so you need to be able to grow your economy in such a way that it's not affected by emissions or fossil fuels.
1: That is happening. Um, how do but we? What, do what this I meant what? was, what? How do your friends react when you tell them? Like, What's because what? they, they rep, in my mind they they represent the test group. Yeah, they do,
2: and I think that their their the, the argument I always get pushback is that oh, battery storage, battery storage, and you know, and it's efficiency and it's cheap, and and I think that that sort of you're basically basing entire policy framework. On a hope and a prayer, and I think that's a very dangerous way to, you know, run your country. Um, and I think it's it's not necessarily clear that that's a good alloc- cap- uh, allocation of capital. And that's what I try to do. My that's my my job basically is to try to be as a, to be an efficient allocator of capital. And it's not clear that you know when we have alternatives that are provable, that we just consistently ignore those in favor of something that just feels right because it makes us, it sounds nice instead of doing the things that we know work.
1: So maybe instead of having a carbon tax, here's a suggestion for people to discuss and you know any policymakers on the line here. You make it at the end of the year, it can be a, a, a taxable, no, uh, some kind of a donation to the climate fund. So if you believe strongly in this and you think you're going to affect the world with change, then you know if you're estimated to pay two grand a year in the carbon taxes then hey pay a thousand bucks if you want or two thousand or ten thousand and let's see you know who's really supporting it then at year end and i i think first you start with politicians you want to see what they're contributing that's my point though i think mean, one of these uh, episodes coming up soon i'm gonna bring the canadian tax act here online so people can actually see it i don't know if people have ever seen it before but go to your library to get it or buy it online. And, and this thing is a thumper. You know, if if you're driving a pickup truck in, in the wintertime, you know, you got to load up, you know, put weight in the back to keep you steady. Steve yeah. doesn't know that living in, in Vancouver, of course. But everywhere else around the country, you need to do that. Just put a couple uh, income tax, Canadian income tax books back there and you'll see it. It's a different yeah. system, guys. It's just not... If you're not one, happy with it, then just change it, right? Just one one
2: last thing on the just like the amount of money that we've given to rich people basically to make marginal changes in their lives. If we had allocated that to building hydroelectric dams and nuclear power plants, you know, or pipelines for natural gas, like those three things, they don't they're not sexy, you know. You you don't win plaudits at in the, from the World Bank, but they're effective. They're effective at doing what the stated goal is. And so, to me, but the problem is they're just not fun and they're not sexy and you can't hug a polar bear and put a badge on your car because they're boring. And I think that so many of the answers and the way we're going to solve this problem, if you think it is a really big problem, are boring <laughs> answers that are not going to get you clicks and likes and follows. Anyway, so that's rich,
0: we, rich. we've would talked you, a would lot. Would you vote that. for him? I vote for him, man. Would you? You're in. <laughs> Rich, we've talked a lot about that Doomberg guy, but he wrote a really good piece on this, which is like, he basically asked the question, you know, is the stated goal for, let's say, you know, if someone's very like concerned about climate change, right? Is the stated goal to stop burning fossil fuels or is the stated goal to lower emissions? So he just asked a very simple question. Like, is, is are you against burning fossil fuels or are you against... Emissions and basically what he's saying now, he's saying, you know, there's this um, great, you know, obviously they got carbon capture technology coming out and getting better and better. They now actually have technologies that are in place that are they're coming down the pipe to actually pull like carbon out of the air, to actually like to actually. So he's like, but like, and apparently he said that all these environmental groups are are against it. But he's like, well, why? And so it's a very very good article. Um, Because it's like, well, if you actually want to lower emissions, this is a very, very, very good tool. But if you're actually just against fossil fuels, just because you don't like fossil fuels, then of course, you're not going to like it. But it's the nature of the beast. It's like, it's like, the. I mean, not to make a,
2: maybe this is the wrong comparison, but. It's 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 like the war on terror. That's not it's a meaningless thing. Like when George Bush came out with that, a lot of people were a little suspicious because it's like it's a it becomes a moving target. It's an amorphous blob that doesn't mean anything. And that's so, for example, I've made this point many, many times, like fracking is what killed coal in America and fracking is what lowered emissions in America. But, you know, in you're in England, they don't want to frack. So they're burning fuel like nuclear power is what can lower emissions in Germany. But they don't like nuclear power because it's gross and icky and it's they don't people basically don't understand uh, physics, (laughs) you know. And so I agree with you, Steve. That's why these this language is dangerous. And when and I think it's what Dunberg does such a great job at is pinning people to the board and say, what exactly are you trying to address and how do you address it? And here are some concrete examples on how we can do it. And Keith, thank you for trying to triangulate me because you're right. There are some clear and obvious um, examples of how people have done it successfully.
0: And uh, to, on the Doomberg point, he has actually written um, um, a couple articles on, on Canada's uh, ability, particularly in Ontario um, to, to really ramp up nuclear production. And so you know he, he's very much on that. So I, I think we'll have to get him on. I think we'll we'll try to reach out to, uh, and see if we can get him on the show. Um, because I think it would be good as Canada is, is really you know an energy, well it could be an energy powerhouse. Well, um, we are we are we're the fourth
2: largest producer of oil in the world, um, and and one of the largest producers of natural gas in the world. Could be better. Could be better. <laughs> could be better.
0: As we'll we'll uh, we'll leave it there. I, I do have a uh, last little show note here. Uh, we have officially booked our venue for Toronto. Uh, so the event will be on November the 30th. We'll have more details and tickets will be released um, in the coming weeks. Now, if you do want early access to the tickets, we'll um, go to Looney Hour subscribers. So you can yep. subscribe to the Looney Hour uh, sub stack then you'll get, you know, we'll 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 announce it first and foremost to our loony hour. Uh we know we want to incentivize people that uh, have obviously been following along, have subscribed and a uh, little 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 benefit there to to those on the sub stack. So uh as always I'll we'll have more details on that in the coming weeks. And we'll see you next week. Just joking. We've got boomers <laughs> San Fran, 49ers. We couldn't let it go. What's the, what's, the most uh, important what's the forecast? Part?
1: <laughs> what do you think it's going to be? So Rich, the yeah. plane uh, in Cleveland against the Browns on Sunday afternoon. Are you giving me a chance to jump in? Yet? Yeah, I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a chance. Okay,
2: so my forecast for the football game is a, should be taken as seriously as the IMF forecast for GDP growth. Um, uh, oh, do I say the number? I think uh I think San Francisco is going to lose. How about
0: that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So for everyone else, you, you take the opposite <laughs> of that. This uh Cleveland has the number 1 defense as of right now in the league. Uh their offense is not doing very well. So the, the first half, you know, San Francisco they, they they should grind out maybe 17 to 20 and then it becomes very one-sided in the second half. So final score, I, I have the 49ers at 40 And the Cleveland Browns at six. So there you go. Blowout. All right. Another blowout, 40 to six. All right. Now you're going to end the show, Rick. That's right. Now we can
0: officially end the show. As always, thanks, guys, and we'll see you next week.